Welcome back to Orbitz Consulting. My name is Manal Zainuddin, Global Education Consultant and founder of Orbitz Development Code, an approach for conscious learning and being. This podcast highlights education communities from macro and micro angles, leadership, learning, personal and professional growth across multiple disciplines. Education is holistic and as vast and infinite as the cosmos. As we bring stories, interviews, talks, projects from around this globe, I extend Plutarch's famous quote that I had posted in uh, the schools I have worked in. The mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. It is truly rewarding when we think back at last year and a half from the surge of the pandemic until present and see those systematic ways that education departments and school communities handled the crisis of school closing, lockdowns, disrupted academic plans, and above all, safety concerns of all stakeholders. This episode is the second of the EduCovid series that I have been sending in my monthly newsletter since July 2020. Like mentioned before, it will address five focus urgencies, accountability, academic achievements or, and losses, alignment, inclusion, and home cooperation. Now, this episode, Academic Achievements and Losses, digs deeper into strategies that educators can utilize for optimum benefit and as per need and growth rate with respect to COVID recovery. I am sharing them now through the podcast. I am sure that they will be helpful to many leaders as they are setting plans for the next academic year, 2021-2022. After months of online learning exploration, actually, the options now are multiple. It's important to study these options and decide which to use according to the institution's needs and not necessarily what other institutions are doing. Personalizing tools is so important. To select tools and strategies that fit a certain school community, to have a careful look at all those pros and cons, latitudes and constraints is very helpful. Just like every domain in any institution, quality should exceed quantity. So what matters is the effective uh, implementation that that fosters learning and teaching, rather than just having a display of tools that do not serve that purpose. Academic achievements and losses have been a serious concern for all education communities and families throughout the pandemic and still are. And in one of the reports related to the impact on the economy, Hanishek and Wozman write in 2020, and I quote, grades 1 to 12 affected by the closures could expect some 3% lower income over their entire lifetimes. End quote. And according to the American NWEA uh, report uh, in 2020, only 70% of gains in reading has been attained and less than 50% in mathematics. And that's when they compared the cohorts. This leaves school leaders and teachers with a huge responsibility to detect the losses and set plans to fill the gaps. 
Now, this is what happened in many schools last year and this year, curbing losses and planning to fill the gaps through extra programs. Now, while managing classes, it's important to stick to the usual strategies and techniques that children are familiar with. It is also wiser to ensure the success of the process, then add new strategies to enrich it. The call now actually is to work through a deep understanding of foundational concepts and applying higher and deeper thinking skills. At this time of year, uh, schools should have a clear record of their gains and losses that were redeemed. Now, this process must be documented for reference and further discussions and developments. Special attention should also go to vulnerable learners, those with learning difficulties, to see their gains and losses redeemed too, and this is really, really important. Now, remedial plans and uh, some um, um, intervention plans and even uh, accelerating plans need to be seriously set and action steps carefully underpinned in this new be beginning after COVID. So before we move to the specifics, we can start with these general questions. Are we coming together daily as leaders, weekly as teachers to work in committees or networks to discuss every learner's performance? Have we been doing this in April, May, and now in June as we prepare for 2021-2022? Are we aggregating information to determine academic achievements and losses? Are we incorporating programs that help us locate areas of strength and weaknesses for every child in every subject matter respectively? Are we allocating support groups to help learners who are struggling or that have shown absence of engage engagement and achievement throughout those uh, past months? Are we suggesting tutoring or providing tutoring to certain cases? And these are those serious cases which could not been handled properly in the schools, those are the cases that need extra work uh, from the parents as well. So are we celebrating successes through awards and certificates as we usually did before the pandemic? When we think about achievements and losses, we think about four categories. The first one is learning gain or learning growth. And here the learner has grown with that grade level and functions above average and beyond. And of course, such gains build upon the strengths and allow the child to cross to a new level. The second category is that of no gain, no loss. This is when the learner has maintained a stable state. Now, um, in this case, the learner is not much impacted by the learning systems and it's hard here to pinpoint gains or losses. The third category is the partial loss or the temporary loss. And here the learner has shown signs of stability and slight gains, but not deeply. And of course here with any surprising disturbing factors, the learner might lose the skills learned or even the stability. And this is very critical here now that we are moving towards a summer vacation in case there are no summer programs prepared for the children, then we might really have uh, a considerable cases of those partial losses. And the fourth category is the loss or the achievement gap. This is a total loss. This is when the learner is severely affected by the circumstances and has considerably shown major losses in skills and competencies that will not be easily retrieved. And this is one of the most serious cases. When we think about the loss causes and solutions, and uh, for example, one of the causes is lack of engagement. And here in this case, we could have 
it could have given more feedback we could have provided some kind of rewards at certain occasions as well we could have conducted immersive uh, learning especially in high income schools when all those facilities are available for those uh, children and even teachers so the the other cause is the lack of attention and in this case more repetition more practice more warm-up and more wrap-up will will help tremendously uh, sometimes there could be also like suitable rhythms and music during activities to disperse that loss of attention any kind of unusual uh, activity which could even be two to three minutes four minutes five minutes but that would be really helpful it would break the monotony so that the child will pay attention again that one of the other causes is the slow paced work and in this case when when we can use goal charts weekly or daily that would really help clear out the path for the child so they know what is expected of them when we break down the assignments and give them positive feedback immediately that's very helpful and another cause also is the of course the access to good quality internet and this mainly happens in low-income countries and here of course the only solution is to improve connectivity to use also um, non-internet tools such as radios and TVs so the causes for those losses varied from a country to another but at all cases they had a negative impact we come to uh, the brain processing of attention and that's very critical because this really affects uh, those those learning growth and learning gains as well and according to princeton institute the brain is ready to shift attention four times per second now while this is not necessarily to happen and i quote what uh, the institute says your brain has a chance to re-examine priorities and decide if it wants to end quote so here external and internal distractions have to be controlled through practicing the skill of paying attention and this is very important because this can bridge the can bridge the gap between what we are aiming to achieve and where the child is at that point so if we really think of some general um, general suggestions for this for the academic year and this has been already practiced in so many schools but here we can tailor it to the needs of our schools for example having a rigid schedule a session by session timetable might help certain schools with you know synchronous and, and, and asynchronous learning and uh, when we have a flexible schedule and here this depends upon schools and their systems respectively they can be they, there can be an overview of the day with all the students and classes then they are directed to certain pre-recorded videos in case they are doing hybrid learning or online learning and there are of course all those certain all those platforms such as seesaw for example that makes all this easily accessible and uh, all those uh, other other platforms available for schools we can also have the tailored schedule and this is planned to cater to learners with difficulties or those showing lack of full understanding of lessons so the typical school day here can vary but the most important point is selecting what suits our community now most most probably 2021 to 2022 will start with an in-person learning but we cannot guarantee that to happen in all countries in some countries there they may need to do hybrid learning or blended learning and 
in this case there should be a variety of schedules when we think about the tools that are indispensable no you know they are indispensable delivery media especially in case of online learning but with the cases of blended learning they will be used as well with whatever photos videos video editing softwares online calendars to automate appointments and sessions uh, all those platforms that incorporate high engagement features like you know the the polls interaction for example poly and flipgrid breakout rooms when we need to have all those group meetings during the sessions and when there are also the calls for small group or one-on-one -on -one meetings because there will be a need for one-on-one -on -one meetings in the process of curbing those remaining losses there are also indispensable services as well such as learning support teams to help learners with difficulties or facing understanding challenges those indispensable services as well are those regular individual communication with parents surveys continuously uh, conducted because they will provide very important feedback to school administration uh, mental health coaches as well and this is extremely critical and needed it coaches and also of course blended instruction coaches so leadership here should control the results through accountability measures when it comes to surveys and all those data collection there are also indispensable considerations and you know as long as we live in a world with differences we really need to tailor to the needs of our community of our schools of our learners of our teachers as well so Comparing one's institution to others adds to the pressure. And no matter what advancements we have done in the past year and a half, putting things back into, it, into that stability mode and being ready for a new year, for a new academic year, we still need to really consider not to compare our institutions to others. Uh, the second point of consideration is that in low-income societies, they ought to employ all types of material and media, such as the non-internet tech, although all governments uh, have been mustering efforts to provide those internet, the internet connectivity and more internet-based solutions, but there will be a need to have those non-internet tech. And the third point of consideration is the economic stricken conditions. And here we particularly mean parents losing jobs. This ought to be noticed as well as you know all the measures to relieve these pressures and we can we have to add here another point of consideration is mental health and mental health is not only related to to learners it's also to, to related to teachers and even to to leaders as well because we have been all going through those situations and it has not been easy now we are all hoping to have a fresh new start as there are new solutions uh, for the pandemic, but we are still uh, struggling in a way or another. Now, thinking first about the curriculum, and here I would like to note that there are resources from EduCovid series that I have been uh, providing through my monthly newsletter. These resources are related to English language arts, mathematics, science, uh, social studies, art, and physical education. You can find those resources on the resources page of my website www.orbitsdevelopment.com slash resources. I'm sure these are very helpful. So now that schools have settled in a way or another, more emphasis on advancing learning is highly recommended. You know, the preparation for the new learning styles and content, mainly deep content learning and of course extensive learning. What we mean by deep content learning here, this is different from deep learning related to machine learning. You know, 
here we mean that this is the advanced level of deep thinking. Uh, STEAM is another major form of this learning and STEAM, STEM adding arts to it to become STEAM is very important to consider because it will bridge the gap towards, towards the achievements that we really aspire. And I speak about that in one of the conferences, uh, how important integrating uh, STEAM subjects and STEAM disciplines in learning because this will help reduce those number of sessions when we are simply doing practice books, practice pages of mathematics, practice pages of science, instead of just having projects related to STEAM. And this is what is really needed now in 21st century. So deep content learning involves critical thinking, a basic element of computational thinking, design thinking, and multi-structural communication. And extensive learning involves larger coverage of areas, both core and supplementary, so that learners meet the needs of the future workplace and lifestyles. And of course, when we are interacting, we are interacting either as a whole class or breakout rooms or groups when we are uh, two groups, when we are in person and the independent practice when each child is working on his own. Now, a very fundamental point is integrating themes and coordinating assignments and projects because this can really play a vital role in carrying out the curriculum plans and assessment methodologies. You know, unifying themes solidifies standards and connects them. Uh, unifying themes teaches in a more purposeful manner. Unifying themes creates a sense of excitement for learners as, as they discover new themes every week or every other week. And unifying themes saves time and effort for both teacher and learner. And this is extremely needed now in 21st century as we move towards deep thinking and deep learning rather than just spending minutes of learning, which most of the time is a process of repetition. And this, that's not very helpful when this repetition does not have a specific purpose and when it is uh, also applied as a one size fits all because uh, repeating for one whole class simply for the process of repetition is very dull and is not helpful at all. Unify themes also can be sculpted to fit any grade level and throughout this integration we are always collecting feedback and using it to design and redesign so that's why this teaching and learning processes are not monotonous and they are always evolving according to all those advancements in the world around us and we are also integrating social emotional learning components to all subjects and this is very helpful when you are integrating it in every subject then you don't have just to specify social emotional learning as a subject by itself, you are integrating it. And that's how it becomes more expressive and more intensive as well. As for instruction, uh, this is a complex process, especially because it involves new modes of teaching for different subject matter, different age groups and different academic uh, levels as well as, of course, special education. So some children are at different levels have been moving forward in their education throughout the year and a half, others have been struggling as they waited, you know, for their parents to help with lessons and assignments, for some extra help from the teacher. So they were, they have been really struggling. Engagement is key to active learning and teachers must be responsive to their learners need for stimulated learning, especially when learning is occurring online and also in hybrid mode. So kindergarten and elementary classes can enjoy, for example, screen games such as, you know, that class wave when all learners and teachers move their arms simultaneously as a wave. That's uh, very exciting for little children when you are signaling a beginning of an activity, when you are starting a questioning session, when discovering 
covering a main idea or a theme. So this makes class more fun and it involves the body, mind and the heart as as well and we, we all know when I always speak about mind-heart coherence when the children are happy and energized that's when we can say they are truly learning and also uh, schools and teachers that can afford online platforms they can purchase online teaching and learning spaces many many schools have already done that making lessons interactive through videos gamifications assessments feedback on that same platform uh, for example one of the platforms uh, for the american common core state standards the jognog or the firefly for the british that facilitates british curriculum uh, teachers work in collaboration with partners to monitor this progress and enhance learning and makes it easier for the teacher to follow on the progress of this of the learners so all these can be parts of plans for next year and of course in the coming two months there will be even um, a new versions of, of certain apps and that would be very helpful. Now one activity that can assist in managing classes is assigning tasks to learners to set a sense of responsibility and instill class spirit. And you know, this is also referred to as jobs and it, it can be very exciting. This can be done also online. So here you are creating opportunities for creativity and innovation in the way subjects and themes are handled. And here also we are tapping into learners' interests and preferences. And that's a major factor uh, that supports learning through true engagement. So with more schools now going in person, even if partially, more facilitation is needed in terms of accomplishment and engagement for both teachers and learners. Not only learners, need to be engaged but also teachers need to be engaged as well and that's when leadership provides opportunities for learning to those teachers so one of the ways for for example that assist in coordinating in-person learners are the google slides for example that are used as digital desks in case of uh, hybrid learning or when it is purely online uh, in which all learners and teachers can keep classwork within the same range of eye view. So this way every learner can see what the others are doing and even do peer-to-peer -peer reviews. And that's very helpful for classes and school systems that will continue to do hybrid learning. I doubt that there will be purely online learning next September but we can still we cannot still say that, uh, so let's hope for the better. Uh, we all know that at the end of the day, children need to go back to school and uh, teachers need to feel this contact with their learners in person. I also would like to add here the development of attention and we all know that, for example, the attention span of a two-year-old is from four to ten minutes, of a four-year-old is eight to twenty minutes, a six-year-old from 15 to 30 minutes, an eight-year-old 16 to 40 minutes, a 10-year-old 20 to 50 minutes, and so on as we are increasing. But even within those 16, for example, to 40 minutes, there should be those intervals, those two minutes, three minutes, even five minutes when they can just ask the children to walk around the room, uh, to take, to do some breathing exercises, even to close their eyes and sit in silence. That is very, very helpful in retaining their attention. Strategies for teachers K to two, for example, using gestures and signs in the classrooms, muting and unmuting signs, whistles, funny bells, uh, any type of game-like tasks, helping grabbing attention, 
uh, of course fostering sensory motor skills as much as possible tracking patterns and rhythms any attention provoking activity that plans for more attention grabbers more learning excitement setting plans for the coming days as well there is this element of expectation and this is really helpful with little children because when you for example tell them well next week we will be doing this exciting activity then those children will be looking forward and even even adolescents will be looking forward to this uh, coming week using more visuals also helps in conveying the information and simplified material and this is especially during those periods when it is quite difficult to understand a certain concept using shared attention helps to stretch attention span as well giving more opportunities for learners to try again and again and again and that's why learning is Le- learning is about trial and error and that's very important for children giving more opportunities for learners to select what they like and that's how we encourage autonomy also for even for little children even if they're in their kindergarten Uh, more strategies for teachers that will help curb those learning losses and increase learning gains for example when you have anonymous polls even throughout a zoom meeting for example because polls mean no judgment of the learners wrong answers and we all know that grades 3 to 12 especially middle school those Adolescents do not like to make mistakes, and especially when it's online, making mistakes online it seems even even more difficult than just making a mistake inside a classroom, probably because they were used to the classroom more than online learning. For example, using documents for annotations, fluid documents for annotations, immediate error correction and sharing, engaging at a deep level so that processing information is well executed, and this is so critical in middle school and high school. Guided reading, of course, is essential, encouraging learners to select tasks and assignments so that they feel that they own their learning, encouraging more hands-on tasks and real-life assignments, instilling variables for motivation and initiative through assigning targeted journal writing because journal writing is fascinating when you give the chance to those learners to write down their ideas and especially during covid and even now post covid when we are still recovering writing down their feelings their emotions their thoughts is really liberating for those children as for assessment formative assessments are key to improving learning and curb those learning losses Now, forms of assessment need to be qualitative, not only quantitative, considering the various factors that govern the teaching, learning, and assessment processes. You know that it's very important to track performance through personalized tech programs to pinpoint areas that need improvement for every child and plan accordingly. And now we have fascinating apps and fascinating programs that can help us keep track of all those types of performances so that we can analyze the performance of the child and we can then tailor to their needs and to their needs as well. So this will save time and effort for both learners and teachers. Assessing tools will support in successful teaching and learning. We know that every discipline has its own needs languages, mathematics, sciences, physical education, etc. Measuring student progress regularly will help in assessing performance, gaining or losing achievements or losses. So for example, some forms of formative assessments is is those exit sketches when you can just ask them to have those slips ready using them even online. 
and even you can they can send them through google classroom or they can be directed towards screen uh, that's not a problem of course in in-person learning collaborative mind maps is another excellent strategy as it helps to see the wider picture of the learner's understanding and it's very exciting when everyone is collaborating when everyone is providing an answer and the entire classroom is forming that mind map and of course it can be done every end of the week or end uh, of theme another very effective way of assessment is debate now debate not in the sense of competition because sometimes when we really um, when we practice debates children have this impression that I have to be an opponent as I am defending my point. Well, it's important that we explain uh, that while we are conducting this debate, the point is not competing and the point is not to prove the, our perspective. It's just that we are thinking out loud with each other. Here, in this case, when, when children conduct debates, these learners are supporting their viewpoints with reasons and examples and this is a very good way to enhance their critical thinking skills. You know, there is Kailu uh, Etu, uh, inspired by Kailu, the mapping argument site for institutions. It's a very nice free platform that teachers can use for conducting debates in their classrooms. Of course, it all has to be under the supervision of teachers. When we think about other types of assessment, the summative assessments, while, for example, you can use those uh, those quizzes, it's it's more preferable to, to do those low stakes quizzes because they are not teaching time consuming and they do give us a clear idea about the learner's understanding. We can keep track of those of those results and we can use them in a very effective data analysis process. But of course, we all know that in most school systems, unfortunately, there are still those uh, standardized tests and those national tests. So here in this case, it has been difficult during COVID. Um, you know, they, the summative assessments have been a subject for study and trial during COVID and will continue to be to find the best that suits a school system respectively. So uh, while some, uh, some schools and in and some countries, they conducted those tests in person, distancing students, uh, introducing safety measures and health measures. Others, they adjusted the content of the examinations. Other countries adjusted the mode of the of administering the test. For example, will you be doing that online based or is it online based, computer based? Uh, some others rescheduled, some others canceled. Uh, canceled examinations and used different kinds of approach, approach using rubrics, for example. Now, what are the steps for next year? We still don't know. Some schools are still studying that, school systems are still studying that, but I can, I can say that we are all encouraging each other to try to take that challenge of, of thinking about learning without the need for assessments. We can think of certain types of assessments, but summative assessments, and especially standardized testing, is challenging in times of crisis like COVID. So while schools are setting these plans for next year, it will be very interesting to find the mode of testing that suits the school and that, can, that will never uh, jeopardize learners and teachers as well. So summing up with some necessary skills for learners, as we plan for 2021-2022, it's important to revisit these necessary skills and see 
How much have we fostered in the past year and a half? And what can we do to, to more encourage those uh, skills with these learners? Number one, time management. Learners need to practice how to manage their time. Number two, self-management. That relates to managing oneself, attitudes, behavior, actions, uh, reactions. And here, of course, it varies by age and environment. Uh, skill number three, material management. And here we have all encountered such situations when the learners would lose their stationery, their books, especially during online learning uh, and even in hybrid learning. So learners need to, be, need to be reliable since there will be times when teachers are not present to help them with their material the same way it happens when they are in person. Point number four is teamwork. Learners have to learn to work, in, to work in pairs or groups from a home perspective during, for example, online learning or hybrid learning. Teachers can set this at the beginning of the year to make learning more effective later. And I think looking back at our experiences, analyzing those scenarios that we have encountered in the past year and a half would be very helpful because teamwork is one of the most important 21st century skills that children and as adolescents need. And the last necessary skill is error stress-free uh, environment. And you know, such unusual circumstances can pose self-confidence issues with learners from all levels. Now, learning is open. It is not confined to classroom walls. Explaining to them that errors are part of the learning will curb any loss that is related to confidence. And we all know that many learners face issues and encounter those difficulties mainly due to lack of self-confidence. Summing up with the necessary skills for teachers. Skill number one, time management. And this remains very critical because having gone all through those, those practices to settle, still we have to manage our time if we really want to uh, work profitably next year and curb the losses and reach some achievements. Skill number two is patience. Again, even after we have managed to handle all those challenges and all those difficulties, we still need to have to cope with certain limitations. We all know that not all students could achieve well throughout this year. We all know about those losses. We all know about mental health issues. So now we have to be patient as we take on those steps further in, in this journey. Skill number three is resilience. Now, we are very grateful that we have, uh, we have passed through COVID despite all the challenges, but tough times will continue to be. It's not over yet. We have to really be able to handle pressures and difficulties as much as we can. Also, one of the necessary skills is designing more and more forms of feedback because feedback is essential to keep learners on track and to keep us on track, to keep teachers on track as they prepare their sessions, as they prepare for the coming, uh, for the coming year, as well with, uh, with different subjects and different grade levels. And skill number five is innovation. Now again, technology is evolving at a very high speed and that is very helpful so being tech innovative now is really needed so we can take more time to 
check in our our technological competencies and see how we can tailor them the best way possible to fit our classes and sessions. So reaching the end of this episode, time has flown fast and most schools worldwide have successfully ended 2020 and 2021. The challenges have been immense on all stakeholders, mainly teachers as they have to manage their content and new digital style. Education systems all around the world persevere. There are very good practices and remarkable achievements being made in the fields, giving us rays of hope and proving that humans can adapt and innovate. Thousands of educators and leaders worldwide have shown that resilience can be utilized in such circumstances, digging deep into our core, collaborating to build capacities, and brainstorming to create new paths through this pandemic. Let us all hope that better paths are created for next year and even better, more advanced paths for the future, the reform that we all dream about.